0: Hello and welcome to How to Deal with Grief and Trauma. My name is Natalie Milridge. Today is episode 40 and I thought I'm going to start something new. Shorter podcast episodes helping you understand a little bit more about trauma and loss. This is my first solo episode and it feels rather strange to be talking to myself, rather to one of my guests. Having said this, I want to make these episodes short and succinct and bring the topic to the point. For the last couple of months I have been teaching my seven-week course Transforming Your Grief and the participants really enjoyed the benefit from my explanations on the topic of the nervous system, its regulation and the benefit it can have for your healing, for your integration back into your life. Now you will only hear me speak about it and not see any of the supporting visual slides that I had created But if you're interested please subscribe to the newsletter and join me on my social media platforms such as instagram where i share about this more visually you can find all the links as usual in the show notes or on my website nataliehimlerich.com and i also really would appreciate your support for this podcast you can just pledge three dollars per month This would greatly support me thank you so much so for today i'm not going to introduce you to a guest and we're going to start right away. Welcome back to another episode of How to Deal with Grief and Trauma. I'm your host, Natalie Himmerich, and today as my first solo episode, I'd like to delve into the topic that affects many individuals in our society. Trauma and its impact on the nervous system. You as a listener might have experienced a significant loss and wonder whether it is considered to be traumatic or not. First of all, I'd like to share a quote mentioned by David Kessler and Dr. Frank Anderson, one of my upcoming guests in this season, which they shared in their series on traumatic grief. They both agreed that all trauma involves grief, but not all grief needs to necessarily be or feel traumatic. So, losses that are considered traumatic are typically events or experiences that involve a significant threat to one's physical or psychological well-being. These losses often result in intense emotional and psychological distress, and they can have a lasting impact on a person's life for years to come. Here are some of the examples of losses that can be traumatic. The first group is sudden and unexpected death of loved ones. So, a sudden loss of a family member or close friend, particularly due to accidents, violence or other tragic circumstances, can be deeply traumatic. And the shock and the grief associated with such a loss can be overwhelming and mainly to symptoms of PTSD, which is short for post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, part of this group is also child loss, or can be child loss, because usually they are untimely, unexpected and sudden, and are out of the order of what we expect. Having said that, as I said before, not all losses need to be experienced as traumatic from all people involved in that. I'll come back to that later. A second area is natural disasters. So surviving a natural disaster such as an earthquake or a hurricane or maybe a flood can be traumatic due to the immediate danger experienced, the loss of homes, possessions, and sometimes even loved ones. And the experience of helplessness, fear, and witnessing the devastation can have lifelong lasting psychological effects. So in this case, as you can see, it might be a non-death related loss on the physical sense, on the personal sense, but there's also emotions relating to shame or guilt, survivor's guilt even, when having a loved one die and you survive the natural disaster. A third area is like serious accidents or injuries. Another may be non death related loss, but experiencing a severe accident and sustaining a life altering injury can be traumatic. Not just the physical pain, but the loss of functionality, the loss of identity or dreams that you might have had, and the subsequent emotional and psychological impact that can lead to trauma. And the fourth area which I experienced myself is the area of violent assaults and abuse. So whether that is physical, sexual or emotional abuse, whether it's experienced in childhood or adulthood, can be deeply traumatic. Because it includes the betrayal of trust, powerlessness and the violation of personal boundaries. And those can have profound and long-lasting effects on the individual's well-being. So when a loss is experienced as trauma, it differs from a non-traumatic loss in several ways. So first of all, intensity of emotional response. You can tell that you're traumatized because traumatic losses often elicit intense emotional reactions such as shock, disbelief, anger, guilt, and profound sadness. These emotions may be far more overwhelming and persistent compared to non-traumatic losses. A second part is intrusive memories or flashbacks, which are also clear symptoms of PTSD. So if your traumatic loss or if your loss has resulted in intrusive memories and flashbacks of the event, causing you to relive the traumatic experience again and again, these can be activating various reminders and this leads to heightened distress and emotional reactivity. A third area is avoidance behaviors. So if you have experienced traumatic loss, You may engage in avoiding behaviors such as places, people, activities that are associated with the loss. And this avoidance is an attempt to reduce the distress and prevent the reactivation of traumatic memories. So this is a healthy way of the body taking care of you, the body preventing you from being overwhelmed by the intensity of those memories. So let's have a look at some of the more of the symptoms of PTSD they may include, as I already mentioned, intrusive thoughts, but also nightmares, hyperarousal, hypervigilance, difficulty concentrating, emotional numbness, and avoidance of the reminders of the traumatic event. If you have these symptoms, make sure you help get help from someone who is experienced and trained in PTSD. Another area is impact on the daily functioning. So if you have experienced traumatic loss, you will notice that it significantly impairs your ability to function in various areas of your life. This might be work, in your relationship, or in your self-care. And this impact is often more profound and long-lasting compared to non-traumatic losses. So those pointers might give you some idea whether your loss has also been experienced by you as a trauma or not. It's important to note that not all losses are necessarily traumatic, and the experience of trauma can vary from person to person. So let's say a family, and they lost their child. It can be traumatic for the mother, but not so traumatic, or not traumatic at all for the father. And that is not due to the loss, so child loss is not per se traumatic, or pregnancy loss is not per se traumatic. It's a subjective interpretation of the event, and the individual's personal resilience coping mechanism and support system that influence whether this loss is experienced as traumatic or not. Professional help and support can be crucial in the process of healing from traumatic losses. So what does a trauma response in the body look and feel like? It can manifest in various ways, both physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And if you want to gain more information about that, I'd rather suggest that you join my newsletter or follow me on social media where I shall share visual examples of what I mean here. So when someone experiences trauma, their nervous system often goes into a heightened state of arousal or defense. And this is called activation. This activates the sympathetic nervous system which prepares the body for fight or flight, which is in its idea a healthy way to prepare yourself. So common physical sensations include like increased heart rate, shallow breathing, sweating, muscle tension. An emotional this might feel like, you feel like anxious or scared or overwhelmed. And it's essential to note that trauma responses are highly individualized and can vary from person to person. So it doesn't help to poll and to say, well do you feel like that as well? Oh, I feel that too. Just don't negotiate your trauma response. What you're feeling is valid and is individual to you. This is really important to understand. Now let's have a look at polyvagal theory. And let me explain what it is and how it impacts trauma and nervous system regulation. Polyvagal theory is developed by Dr. Stephen Porges and provides a framework for understanding of how the nervous system responds to stress and trauma. The theory highlights the role of the vagus nerve. Vagus nerve is one of the um, cranial nerves, a key component of our parasympathetic nervous system in regulating our psychological and emotional states. The theory proposes that the vagus nerve has two branches, the dorsal vagal complex, it's a mouthful I know, associated with shutdown and immobilization, and the ventral vagal complex related to disconnection and social engagement. So if you imagine this as a waving line going from the bottom to the top and then down again, up and down just like waves on the ocean. And if you can imagine that on the bottom is what's called the ventral vagal state, social engagement, it's also called rest and digest. And on the top of the wave is the dorsal vagal, the freeze response. So during a traumatic experience, the body's response shifts from ventral vagal to dorsal vagal. So it gets activated, goes into fight and flight, and if it goes even more than that, it goes into what's called the freeze response. This is also, if you think about the animal kingdom, this is where the possum plays dead, so that its enemy is no longer interested in a dead animal. So it's highly useful in, in that sense. But in a human sense, in this state, you feel immobilized, disconnected, and emotionally shut down. And if certain people get actually stuck on that freeze response, they become functional in that freeze response, but they are not really um, connected, socially connected, or not associating their feelings, not really feeling. They're more numb and depressed. So on the other hand, the ventral vehicle is responsible for social engagement. And it's associated with feelings of safety, connection and relaxation, which is also really important to have. So how can we support the nervous system in regulating from one state to the other? Because neither of those states is wrong, but the purpose of that would be to go through those waves up and down and be activated and also be deactivated again, not to be stuck in activation. Excellent question. How can we support the nervous system in regulating from dorsal vagal to ventral vagal state, from being activated or frozen, back to feeling safe and connected. It's crucial to create a safe and supportive environment that allows the individual to feel a sense of connection and trust. Building trust is key in helping someone regulate their nervous system, and trust is the key element of any therapeutic relationship, at least in my knowledge, at least in my experience. This can be achieved by compassionate listening, validating someone's experiences and offering a non-judgmental space. Additionally, grounding techniques such as deep breathing, mindful awareness techniques and physical sensation, being mindful of the physical sensation which we use in somatic experiences can help individuals come back into the present moment and regulate their nervous system. Now, maybe you're lucky to have a friend that can offer you all of that. And if not, there are trained people in trauma and grief literate people like psychotherapists or therapists, psychologists, who can help you with that. So let's have a look at some examples of practical strategies that you can use to regulate your nervous system. Because supporting your nervous system is the basis, is vital for healing after trauma and loss. So there's a couple of things that you can do. Grounding techniques. So that could be engaging in in your senses through activities like, as I said, deep breathing, mindfulness um, exercises, grounding objects, orienting in the present moment that help you anchor, that calms the nervous system. You can find many of those exercises if you search on social media, for example on Instagram, and you put into the search box exercises to calm the nervous system. You can find a lot of little small exercises, and I share them as well as part of my courses. Another method is to find social support, which offers the effective method of co-regulation. And co-regulation is actually the basis in which you helped regulate your nervous system, how you learned to regulate your nervous system when you were a baby. And the person that offered you co-regulation, hopefully, were your caregivers, mostly mom. So on an adult term, this means seeking support from a trusted person who can provide a calming presence and help you regulate your nervous system. Because as humans, we are wired for connection. And seeking this kind of quality support from a trusted friend, family, or support groups can help you regulate your nervous system by providing a sense of safety and connection. If that's not available to you, trauma-informed therapy like working with a therapist that is trauma informed and can also help find give you guidance because maybe that person is also grief littered and they can help you navigate complex emotional landscape after trauma there are therapies such as eye movement desensitization and reprocessing that's short EMDR or somatic experiencing there's various of these different therapies that I'm going to Talk to you about in Season 4. You might have heard them already in some of the previous episodes, otherwise go back and the episodes to come that help you regulate your nervous system. But there's also self-care practices like engaging in activities that promote self-care and relaxation, such as exercise, yoga, meditation, but also creative outlets. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode with Tori Press, she has a beautiful book that can help you regulate your nervous system. It is important to remember that healing from trauma and regulating the nervous system is a unique journey for each individual. Being patient and understanding is crucial, and seeking professional help from a trauma-informed and grief-literate therapist or psychologist who is well-versed in this topic is pivotal. If you want to find out more about that, or if you want to talk to me about that, please schedule a 30 minutes free introductory session with me. You can find the links in the show notes. Go to my website, sign up for the news that I send out on a weekly basis, giving you information on all of that, also visuals, or come to one of my courses or classes or join my membership program. I'm here for you. And as always, I hope you enjoy today's episode. So this is my first soul episode on the podcast Let me know if you enjoy those kind of information, if you'd like to hear more. And leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, the podcasts are only found if people are saying something about them, if they leave a review and think that they're good. So please do that. It would mean so much to me. And if you want to support the podcast's ongoing production, please support by following the link, just by donating $3 or more per month. Uh, That would be so grateful. Thank you so much, and I look forward to hearing from you and get your feedback. Take care. Thanks for listening to How to Deal with Grief and Trauma. If you'd like to be updated on future episodes, please subscribe to our newsletter on nataliehimmelrich.com. If you need grief support, please contact me for a 30-minute free discovery session. How to Deal with Grief and Trauma is produced and edited by me, Natalie Himmelrich. To support this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to or follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. And remember to keep reading. I promise it will get easier.